Hello and welcome to Alvarado Unmatched. I'm Alex Alvarado. We're going to talk some non-conference football again. We're going to be talking a lot of non-conference football uh, in this coming month. We're ending May. We're entering June. June's when I got when we're going to focus more on the teams that we're going to watch. Our favorite MAC teams face off mostly in September. I want to look at pretty much just a blog post I wrote. Uh, and I just kind of want to put it into audio thought form onto here. Kind of explain my rankings on each MAC team based on how I feel like they're going to go up against their respective non-conference schedules. It's not so much saying that, you know, the number one team on here is going to finish 4-0 and and out of, through the non-conference schedule and team number 12 is going to be 0-4. It's not exactly working that way. And it's not exactly saying that three, like in my head, yes, I think like three is in a better position than four, four is in a better position than five, five is in a better position than six and seven and eight. And they all have their different reasons for that. Maybe it's because the schedule itself, you know, has winnable games. Have it be, you know, they get the home field advantage. They're not playing so many P5 schools. They're playing schools that are more at their weight class. They're playing schools that are below their weight class. Sometimes the rosters themselves at these respective schools, sure, we have a bunch of schools that are led by super seniors and a bunch of, you know, returning starters, probably 15, 20 plus total. But not all schools, whether they're returning a bunch of starters or not, are in the best starting spot to begin with. So even if they have maybe an FCS team and a couple G5 schools that are near their weight class and then a P5 team that's like, eh, you know, one of the Kentuckys or like the expansion level Big Ten teams, one of those, and you say they're quote-unquote winnable, that doesn't mean they're going to win. That just means that they're not playing Alabama, I guess. They're not playing guaranteed L's. But for the most part, when teams do that, they're not doing that. Like, the schools aren't doing that in hopes that, oh, maybe they can beat all their P5 schools and really raise their stock and definitely make it to a bowl game. They're taking the guaranteed pay money right now. They have a whole athletic department to think about. And so there's a lot of varying factors that are kind of competing with one another in setting these rankings up. But it was a very fun thought, you know, a very fun thought experiment. And I thought I'd, you know... It got a little bit of attention onto the website itself, so I decided, you know what, let's just bring it into the podcast, too, and see where that takes us. Whether you like the list you're about to hear or not, if you just flat-out support, want to support my work, head over to Patreon, give me three bucks a month. You can have extensive show notes that a couple patrons are going to receive. They're all going to be available. I send these out after every episode uploads so it's basically like you know extra podcast notes twice a week if you want to trick yourself into thinking it's a newsletter it kind of works out that way because you get pretty informed about the goings-on of the mac sometimes it's more than what i say on the mic and i try to keep this thing you know within a reasonable time for you to listen to it i know i'm not that important to you you know you gotta if i'm if you're paying attention to me for 30 plus minutes a day I better be saying something really good. But if you want to support this show, if you want to support the Discord that you can join right now for free, if you want to support macfootballblog.com, head over to Patreon. 
throw me a few bucks a month. I would really, really appreciate it. You get a couple neat perks. You get a behind the scenes channel in the Discord. You get these notes, like I said. And I've got more projects coming up. I can't really announce them right now. I do want to say I'm making upgrades for this show, like very personal investments for this show. And they're going to be pretty evident. You'll, you'll know it when you hear it. You'll know it when you hear it. Head over to Patreon help me out. But with that said, let's just get right into the list and I'll kind of explain myself. I'm going to present the whole list right now and then explain myself afterwards. So number one in the list is the team that I think has the best opportunity to put up the best fights against its non-conference schedule and perhaps come away with the best record. Best odds of all those weird things combined. I'm not going to keep explaining myself. Number one, Toledo. Number two, the defending MAC champs, Ball State. Number three, Eastern Michigan. I know I'm a homer. I'm sorry. But it's a good schedule. Number four, Central. Central Michigan. Number five, Western Michigan. Six, Miami. Seven, Ohio. Eight, NIU. Nine, Buffalo. Wow, how did they find themselves down there? And 10, Akron. 11, Kent State. 12, Bowling Green. Hmm, wonder why that is. Uh, but Toledo, so Toledo's taking on Norfolk State at home, at Notre Dame, home against Colorado State, at UMass. UMass should be an easy win. Norfolk State should be an easy win. Colorado State should be a competitive game, and having them at home, definitely, definitely, like I would definitely take Toledo. I know there's a lot of people out there that really just do not have the patience to hear how good of a job Toledo's done at a lot of other things that don't require them winning the most important games in the conference schedule. However, I do want to point out, they still have a ton of recruiting. It's going to keep up. It's, you know, these, I listed more teams here that have to work its way up to compete with a Toledo. It's not working the other way around in this case. UMass isn't at that level. Colorado State's been up and down. Lately, I believe it's been down. Norfolk State, I mean, FCS against a very good Toledo, very talented Toledo, very experienced Toledo. Man, I expect a lot out of Toledo, but you know what? I do, I, I'm do. i not trying to predict a MAC championship out of Toledo. I'm just trying to predict, you know, a very, very good chance of starting 3-1. and one. Maybe, you know, two and two. I would settle for two and two, you know, assuming that the second loss would be to Colorado State. And maybe Colorado State's got some turnaround going on out there that I don't know much about, which is very fair to say because uh, I do spend a lot of time about the Mac, like thinking and reading and all this stuff about the Mac. Mountain West, not so much. Uh, Notre Dame, hey, I'm not going to... Listen, I'm just not going to assume Toledo's going to beat Notre Dame, but... I think Notre Dame could at least play down to Toledo's level for a little bit, right? Like, I think that door is there. Toledo did beat Arkansas over, you know, within the past 10 years. So, it's possible. Ball State's, I, I love Ball State. I really, 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 really love Ball State's chances this year at winning a lot of games. Western Illinois should be a gimme. At Penn State isn't going to be a gimme, but... It's more winnable, you know, considering how bad of a year Penn State has had in 2020. Yeah, it could just be straight up just pandemic junk, 
but I mean, listen, this podcast is happening in late May. This isn't happening in September, right? So for now, it's on paper. It's a winnable game. And at Wyoming, Wyoming's going to be a good test. Doesn't have the best offense. Has a very good defense. It'll be fun to watch that test happen. It's on the road, too. That's not going to help. But, I mean, I, I still like Ball State. I like where it's at. I like, I really trust the roster with where it's at. Didn't lose a lot of the star power last year, so it'll be fine. And against Army, too, yeah, you have to adjust for Army because of its playing style with the triple option. I think Ball State defensively is definitely ready for that and is playing in a 3-4 system already, so it should help. Eastern's mostly up here. I Because I'm a homer, and I think its schedule just opens itself up for good opportunities to at least have a good start, especially if you're Eastern Michigan. And since Eastern's done a good job of actually bringing in a lot of talent through the transfer portal, like its counterparts, you know, probably just as much as Ball State and thereabouts across different positions where they need experience where they need guys you know there's some solid parts at offensive line sure they got some o-line transfers but as a group they didn't need to like go out of their way to like retool things they didn't need to add like a grad transfer here a grad transfer there they needed more receivers they needed receiver help and they got that they needed quarterback help and they got that will it be enough i don't know and like you know some defensive players too but home against st francis and fcs squad at wisconsin at UMass versus Texas State at home. You know, Texas State, clearly it's been historically bad. Uh, Don't forget that the Texas State-Ohio game happened like four years ago where it was like 56-52 or something like that, and it had to go to like a couple overtimes. Uh, And that was, you know, it's still the same program that people from these streets and these you know, niche Midwest regions that look at Texas State and they're like, yeah, you might be garbage because you've always been garbage. You know, they're probably looking up north and saying, yeah, you're garbage because you've always been garbage. But things have changed, like the transfer portal, coaching changes, just philosophically, like the walls are painted differently inside of each of their respective athletic football programs and their departments and all that bullshit. Things are changing for both programs Things could definitely change for both in 2021. Things could rise to a weird boiling point for both teams in week four as they kind of figure out their offenses, you know, have better connections with all their new incoming transfers. And, like, Texas State has done a huge job of only getting transfers this past offseason. No high schools, no high schoolers, just, just transfers. It is quite the strategy. It's going to be an exciting one, too. Maybe Eastern prevails there. Who knows? Central's next, number four. They're at Missouri. You know, SEC game. But, you know, that's it's just Missouri, right? Home against Robert Morris at LSU. Home against FIU. FIU, you know, I is another team that I don't know too much about. But I would expect that CMU... Should be at least coached up for. Jim McElwain is a very good coach, and he gets you know his central teams playing at it, you know playing games more closely, right? Like they're not getting blown out by crazy amounts almost ever. You know they're keeping up their own fights. They're keeping up with teams that I didn't think that they'd be able to. They turn obviously they turned around. You know 
the one win season to a MAC championship clinching game, uh, you know, that sort of turnaround. Sure, they might lose at least half these games, like at Missouri, at LSU, at the end of the day, they still might lose those games, but, you know, they could at least be into it. And LSU has shown that it's not the same team as before. I don't expect LSU to always be so bad. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU were just, you know, a top team in the country again right away because, duh, it's LSU. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see, like, if, you know, if Missouri or LSU have, like, slipped on a banana peel because, like, I don't know, things have just gone crazy over the past pandemic year plus, uh, you know, Central might be able to steal one. Western Michigan, obviously, very, very talented team. At Michigan, home against Illinois State. At Pitt, home against San Jose State. Not an easy slate. Not easy slate. Uh, I could see Western somehow getting to a 2-2 two and two start, assuming the Illinois State is a win. Uh, getting to 2-2, two and two, there's no gimmies after that. There's no gimmies. Michigan's talented. Pitt, you're talented. That's two, that's two P5 schools that you have to travel to. That's never an easy task. I don't care how good Western Michigan is. And then you're home against San Jose State. Probably at the time you figured this would be an easy win. A guaranteed 2-2 two and two start to this year. But guess what? San Jose State just came off like its best school, like best year since like the 80s or whatever. I don't fucking know when San Jose State was good last. You know, and I'm like almost 30. So, you know, hats off to San Jose State. You know, they had a very impressive 2020 season. I wonder how much they will retain and I wonder how how talented San Jose State will still be. Um, on the plus side... Western's got them at home, so if you're going to take on a team that had, you know, a very good year and won the Mountain West championship after an undefeated regular season, uh, good on Western to get them at home first after that. Miami, you're number six because you still have to play Cincinnati on the road, and you're not going to beat them. You're not going to beat Minnesota. Home against LIU, though, which is uh, Long Island, which is the very cool logo school and you're at Army, I think you'll be prepared for Army. You should finish 2-2. Two and two. I don't really just have too many thoughts. Like, okay, those are the losses and those are the wins. Yep, moving on. Ohio, 7. They're home against Syracuse, home against Duquesne, at Louisiana of Lafayette, and you're at Northwestern. If you're going to play two P5 schools as a MAC team, like, those are the two you really want in any given year, right? Because they're both pretty winnable. Like, let's not forget... Northwestern still made it to the Big Ten championship game after they lost to Akron in the same season. So anything is still possible there. Syracuse, not doing well, not doing hot with Dino Babers over there. They beat Clemson once, so let's not forget that. The home opener, though, that should be really exciting. You know, I'm excited for people to be able to catch that live. Um, I was thinking about getting tickets. I'm probably not going to do it, but that will be a very fun and exciting matchup. This is a, you know, this is a lineup, Syracuse, Duquesne, ULL on the road at Northwestern. This is a lineup you really want, like, any given year, like, two pretty winnable P5s. One of them's at home, two to boot. You got Duquesne, should be a dub. At Louisiana Lafayette, that's G5 porn. It's on a Thursday in September. It's crazy. If Ohio's up for it, if Ohio can... Be ready for it on both sides of the ball. It'll be fun to watch all these games. If Ohio's just not there and just hasn't figured things out, 
then it's going to suck. But last year, we just didn't have the chance to learn about Ohio. They played three games against the Mac East. Like, what are you supposed to learn out of that? Number eight, I have NIU. You're at Georgia Tech. You're home against Wyoming, which is not an easy ask. You're at Michigan. You're home against Maine. You know, it takes up until, like, week four when you should have a win. Um, but if things go, like, catastrophically, like, catastrophically bad, like, it's going to be a stressful, like, you, you really can't lose this game sort of situation for NIU up until that point. But I don't see NIU, like, given how young the roster is, given how new some of the transfers are, I haven't seen a reason to believe that NIU can just, like, get someone new and turn it into wins. Like, I, I, I just haven't been able to see that out of the past couple of years with Thomas Hammock and his first year as a head coach, over, or first, you know, first stint as a head coach at his alma mater. I just have, I don't, I'm not overwhelmed with a lot of confidence heading into year three at this point. So, yeah, you're, you're kind of, so that's why I have NIU so low. Uh, I have them a little bit above Buffalo, though. Buffalo has had, like, the late run of transfer portal guys. Uh, I guess now's a good time to drop Eddie Wilson, defensive tackle. He is the first guy to successfully transfer from Buffalo to Kansas, where Lance Leipold is now. Uh, really strong defensive tackle. Huge loss for Buffalo, especially at that position, the guy who lines up right over the center. It's not easy losing a guy who's proven to be so good at that position, especially as young as he's blossomed. And it goes on from there. Buffalo's losing a bunch of guys, you know, both sides of the ball, in the trenches. When you lose guys in the trenches, like, that's when you're going to have some problems, like, especially if you have to, like, have a quick turnaround. You better beat Wagner still. You better still beat Wagner, even if you don't. If you only have, like, five plays, you better run those five better than Wagner has with their whole damn playbook even if you're running out guys that were going to be mostly backups heading into the year anyways as starters, if that's how things kind of work out. At Nebraska, home against Coastal Carolina, at Old Dominion, all would have been, a like, this would have been an incredibly, incredibly fun slate with Lance Leibold still as the head coach, or if all this head coaching change would have happened many months ago, not in May. I just am not in the position where, I believe that Buffalo can just instantly, you know, just because I think that all these, like, at least some of these guys, at least Malinquist, if I at least think that this is a good coaching staff, I don't think it's so good to where they're like, oh, we're definitely going to make guys that weren't starters, don't have a ton of experience for the most part. We're going to teach them something new or, you know, even if they're running with, like, stuff they already did know, They're not going to have, they're not going to be like up to speed organizationally in game day situations, in game play situations to get past teams that have it more together and have more cohesion, you know, and especially if you're, you know, like Nebraska, like obviously Nebraska's pretty bad. Nebraska's got it more together than Buffalo does at this point, just because there's a coaching change. It's not like a bad thing. It's just there's a lot of moving parts. Nebraska's moving, you know, differently. They're just, they still have Scott Frost. They're, they're going to be fine. You know, they're still recruiting just fine. Uh, Coastal Carolina runs a bunch of weird shit. You can't get, like, totally prepared for that. 
in Old Dominion, you know, it's Old Dominion, but, I mean, they're not going through a coaching change in May, and that's ultimately what it comes to to me. They're going to be, Buffalo's going to be throwing out guys that I don't know a whole lot about, and, you know, we're going to learn a lot in this stretch. If I can be impressed with the way they play at Nebraska, if I can be impressed, you know, at some point early on, I would love to have them higher up on here, but right now, just all things considered, Buffalo just has to be a little bit lower than guys and teams that, you know, aren't going through the same sort of struggle. Akron's 10, uh, you're Akron, but you also play at Auburn. You play home against Temple, a team that you should be able to compete with. That's the team that, like, generally you want in your weight class, but I don't think that, uh, no, I'm just I'm just not going to buy, you know, Akron over Temple, even if it's going to be home. They're also home against Bryant. You better win that. And you're at Ohio State. You're not going to win that. Kent State's at 11, which I feel bad, but how many other teams on this list have three P5 road trips, you know? And, like, that's a norm for Kent State. They normally like to get their ass kicked and then just take the money and run. They're at Texas A&M. Not happening. Home against VMI. This isn't the VMI of old. Uh, If you're thinking that this is the VMI team that you know, likes to win one game a year, and they run the triple option still. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm going to say it right here. They have a quarterback that reminds me of Brogan Roback, and they have uh, a wide receiver who led the team with, like, nine touchdowns in the spring season, something like that. Uh, he reminds me of Cody Thompson. So it's, you know, VMI's pretty good. Uh, and they also made the FCS playoffs for whatever it's worth. At Iowa, at Maryland, they're not the best Big Ten teams, but they're still Iowa. They're still, you know, a Maryland team led by Baby Tua. I mean, good luck. I mean, Kent State, I love you. You know, I hope you score a shit ton of points, and I hope that especially the Syracuse transfers on offense at tight end and at wide receiver uh, and other transfers on both sides of the ball, of course. But, I mean, the pipeline speaks for itself. I hope that, you know, Kent State's average of – pretty much 50 points a game last year against one of the easiest three or four game schedules last year. Um, I hope that persists. I hope that keeps up. And especially with the return of Dustin Crum, with the additions of more weapons at receiver, tight end, I hope it all works out for you, Kent State. Uh, I just don't see it. You know, it's not, it's just not an easy setup for you. It's just not like there are no easy wins here. There's just none. And one of them's an FCS team. Speaking of no easy wins with an FCS team on the schedule, I'm, I feel pretty confident that Murray State's going to beat Bowling Green. I don't really know much about Murray State other than the fact that they won five games in the spring. They went like five and two. It's not bad uh, for a team that doesn't generally win a bunch of games. But Bowling Green, you're at Tennessee. They're home against South Alabama, home against Murray State, at Minnesota. But Bowling Green's just so bad, I think that, they deserve to lose to an FCS school. Plain and simple. And at that point, why would I think that, you know, I'm going to have confidence in this team going to an SEC team, going to a Big Ten team, and being, being able to safely defend Dwight Perry against, you know, a CUSA school? Is South Alabama in the CUSA? I don't know. I'm not looking that up. But at this point, like, yeah, I just, I just don't see your chances being good. But... I think that just about does it for me. I wanted to talk a little bit more about other non-Mac things, but 
I'm going to put that stuff on ice. It doesn't really matter at this point. I feel like this was a good way of kind of just presenting my list a little bit more than the written word that you'll see on MacLobalBlog.com. Uh, but check out that list on there. If you're a patron, check out even more you know, notes on that list in the notes that I send out to my patron subscribers. Thank you guys. But yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, that'll just about do it for me. Thank you again for listening to Alvarado on Maction. You can subscribe to the show. You just go to the podcast store, go to the podcast store, tell the guy at the cashier register, tell him to just, you know, get you a subscription to, to me and he'll get you, uh, he'll get you hooked up. I promise he or she or they will get you hooked up. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time.